0: Good evening. How are we feeling this evening, we feeling good? I love how scattered you guys, it's, I'm like in a junior high service right now. You guys just like don't like sitting next to each other, it's insane. If you got your Bibles, John 6, that is where we are going to plant this evening. This is week 3 of our series, Jesus, period. Let me hear you say Jesus. Come on, let me hear you say it again. Jesus! It's a powerful, powerful name. Week one, Pastor David Martin launched us off in John chapter 3 in the story of Nicodemus. and He shot all the way through with Jesus Invites. And then last week, if you were here last week, I've got, I got the opportunity and the privilege to come and speak last week. And we tackled John 3.16. Arguably the most popular Bible verse of all time, and our God statement was, Jesus loves. Tonight, I am going to attempt to tackle John 6 with Jesus satisfies. Are you in John 6? If you are there, go whoop, whoop. All right, John 6, I want you to go to verse 27, because that is going to be our anchor this evening. John 6 verse 27 it says this, do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the son of man will give to you, for on him God the father has set his seal. Two questions that I want to go after and attempt to tackle this evening. The first one is what does it mean that we should labor for the food that endures to eternal life. What does it mean that we should labor for the food that endures to eternal life? And the second question is what does it mean that we should not labor for the food that perishes? Can you bow your heads with me this evening? O oh, merciful and loving God. We need you here tonight. Jesus, I ask that you would open our eyes this evening to see you. As we sing these profound words, show us your glory. God, I ask that as we dive into your word tonight, that we would see the feast set before us. Lord, I pray that you would come and you would have your way. Jesus, that you would unveil our eyes tonight to see you as our treasure, as the one that satisfies our souls. Jesus, would you incline our hearts to yours this evening? Would you open our eyes to see you? Would you unite our hearts to be one with you this evening? And would you satisfy our souls? Come, Holy Spirit, Father, I ask that you would protect my brothers and sisters from wherever I am in error communicating your word tonight, Lord, and that your truth would prevail. I pray for miracles this evening. Lord, I pray for the miracle of ears being opened to hear your voice tonight. I pray for the miracle of eyes being uncovered to see you tonight. I pray for the miracle of minds being made clear to understand you for who you are tonight. I pray for a miracle for hearts to be softened and to behold and to believe that you are what satisfies. So come, Holy Spirit. Come and do what only you have the power and the authority to do. And if you agree with me this evening, say amen. Amen. We're not going to waste any time this evening. Two questions, what does it mean that we should not labor for food that perishes and what does it mean that we should labor For food that endures to eternal life. Now I think in order for us to understand what Jesus is saying right here, these are Jesus' words... That he is communicating, we have to understand the context and the setting in which, in what has led to this moment of Jesus proclaiming this truth. So, if you have ever walked through the book of John, or you have ever sat in a church for a very long time, most likely you have heard the two stories that precede this moment in John chapter 6. Okay, John 1-15, through we see one of the most profound miracles that Jesus accomplishes in the four Gospels. And this isn't a profound miracle because of what he does, but it's a profound miracle for what he is establishing by doing what he does. So how many of you have ever heard of the miracle of Jesus feeding the 5,000? Very, very common miracle. Okay? We, this is kind of what takes place beginning of chapter 6. We see Jesus hop on a boat and he crosses the sea from Capernaum to the east side of the sea. And he moves in with his disciples and he's got this crowd that's following him. Because they are amazed at the signs and the wonders that he's accomplishing. And as he moves up upon a hill, as the evening is getting later, he sits down with his disciples. He turns around and he sees a sea of people... And he looks at his disciple, Philip, and he does what Jesus does. He asks a question in which he already knows the answer. And he says, how are we going to feed all of these people? And Philip, being the logical mind that he is, goes, not even 200 denarii would take care of what we need to feed all of these people. We got 5,000 men, not including their families. We don't know what to do. And Jesus already knows what to do. And they have a boy who comes forward and he gives five loaves of bread and two fish. And Jesus says, give it to me. So he takes it and he blesses it and he multiplies it. And he has all of the people sit down in groups and he feeds them. And he satisfies their stomachs until they are And this is profound. This is profound not because of just the fact that he he multiplies bread and fish, which is awesome. It's profound. Because if we look back in the Old Testament when God delivers his children out of Egypt and they are in the wilderness and they are there for quite some time and they have no means of providing food or sustenance for themselves. God provides manna from heaven every single day. And so in the same way that God provides for his people in the Old Testament, we get this foreshadow of God providing, except this time it is through Jesus, food for his people. Absolutely profound. And what Jesus is going to begin to go after in this story, and what John sets the precedent for, is that Jesus is saying, look, I'm filling you with this bread, but really I need you to understand that I am the bread. I am the bread. If you're in your Bibles, I want you to track with me with a pen ready. He proves this. John six thirty-five. Jesus says to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Six verses later, John 6.41, he says, I am the bread that came down from heaven. Three, or seven verses later, John 6.48, he says again, I am the bread of life. John 6.51, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread... He will live forever. And again, he ends it in John six fifty five, referring to his body saying, for my flesh is true food and my blood is true drink. I am the bread. I am the bread. And the people do not understand this at this moment. So what takes place after he feeds the 5,000? It's getting later and later into the evening. And so Jesus decides to do something that he does all throughout the gospels is he withdraws. And he goes to be alone with the Lord. And as the evening comes to a close and everybody heads home and goes to bed, his disciples decide to hop in a boat and head back to Capernaum. And so it's in the middle of the night, they head back to Capernaum, and then we see the second most profound work of Christ in the Gospels in that, in the middle of the night, things start going south. Now, this is not what the message is on tonight, but I think it's worth just stapling and setting on the table what takes place in this moment. We have the disciples who hop in a boat, they're heading back across Capernaum, and all of a sudden, the wind and the waves start going nuts. And all of a sudden a daunting reality is sitting right before their face as death is pretty imminent. And the, the, the crazy thing about this story is every single disciple is helpless. It doesn't matter how hard they row, it doesn't matter how they position this ship, they are at the mercy of the sea. Mercy at the sea. And in a moment where it seems like they got nothing left, they can do nothing, they are hopeless in their situation, they lock eyes with the bread. The bread of life. And what I love about this story is in the midst of a daunting, helpless, and hopeless situation, the only way this works is if Jesus... Closes the gap. Disciples are helpless. They can't do a thing. Can't do a thing. And yet all they have to do is they lock eyes with Jesus. And what I love about this passage of scripture is that the this passage in John doesn't say that that the the wind ceased, the wave ceased. It just says that Jesus got in the boat and boom, all of a sudden they were on land. Boom. All of a sudden, They are on land. And what I think is so profound about this is that this isn't about like the storm ceased. It's just that Jesus came into the picture. You tracking with me? And I think if we can go ahead and just look at this passage of scripture and exegetically and hermeneutically place it where we are. What this is simply saying is you are absolutely helpless. Helpless. This is the wonderful work of salvation. You can't do what only Christ can do. And the only reason you're saved, the only reason we have the privilege to call ourselves the people of God is because Jesus closed the gap. Are you tracking with me? I'm going to table that. That's like a mini sermon within a sermon. You get two for one tonight. Okay, so, so they, they end up on the other side of the sea in Capernaum. And I love where this story goes. They end up on the other side of the sea in Capernaum. And then in this moment, the next morning, the crowd wakes up. And they're like, where's the dude that provided Chick-fil-A? Right? They're looking all over for this man named Jesus. And you got people who are flooding in from Tiberias and all these boats coming in. Because they want to get a taste of this man who can take five loaves of bread and two fish and multiply it to feed thousands of people. They are ready to storm Jerusalem and give this man a throne. Because if this man can provide such a resource, this is a man worth following. And so they wake up and they're on the east side of the the sea and they cannot find him. And so they look around and they know that he didn't hop in the boat with the disciples. They knew that he withdrew. And so they all hop in their boat. They go across the sea to Capernaum and end up finding Jesus. And this is where the story gets so good. They end up finding him in verse 25. And they ask him this question. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? A logical question. Logical question. Rabbi, we saw you withdraw. We know you didn't get in the boat with the disciples. When did you come here? And I love Jesus' response. Because he does this so often. He doesn't even acknowledge their question. Doesn't even acknowledge their question. And instead gives them a loving rebuke. Instead gives them a loving rebuke. Verse 26. It says this. Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me not because you saw signs, But because you ate your fill of the loaves. Jesus understands here in this moment how the people view him. He understands. Look, I understand I filled your bellies yesterday. I understand that I gave you what your stomachs needed. And yet I know why you're here and I I could care less. I could care less. You you are here not because you saw signs, but because you ate of the bread and your stomachs were filled. Brothers and sisters, let me translate this for you. What he is saying is, you were satisfied with the product of the miracle and not with the performer of the miracle. Are you tracking with me? They were locked in with what they got from what Jesus accomplished and not with Jesus himself. And he could Care less. He could care less. The reason why we have this gospel, the reason why John wrote this, the reason why we have this recorded four times, the reason why we preach the gospel, brothers and sisters, look at me. It is to reveal the glory of Christ, not to reveal. The glory of his gifts. Are you tracking with me? It is to reveal the glory of Christ, not the glory of his gifts. This is the dangerous reality of miraculous ministry. This is, this is where we get so, so tempted because we're seeking some signs and wonders and we want to see God heal the blind and we want to see Him heal the sick and we want to see Him restore divorced parents and we want to see Him up our ratings at school and we want to see Him move in all these ways of our life and yet we don't want Him. And He could care less because that's not the gospel. That's not what John's trying to communicate. That's not what Jesus came to communicate. He goes, look at me. I am not here so that you get satisfied with my gifts. I am the bread of life. I am the bread of life. If we don't get this, if we don't get this, then who we are as a people flips upside down. This is where We get dangerously close to buying into a message that's not what this word communicates. But what it goes after is, if you have Jesus, then you should have health, wealth, and prosperity. Right? If you have Jesus, your family should be doing well. If you have Jesus, you should be healthy. If you have Jesus, things should be going according to plan. And yet... We're all not idiots. That's not how life works, is it? Is it? In fact, we get the promise in scripture of the antithesis. He says, in this world, you will have trouble. What a like, morbid thing for Jesus to say. He's like, I'm here, the hope of glory. In this world, you're going to have trouble. Makes no sense. But this is what he says. Look, in this world, you are going to have trouble. But take. The good news of the gospel is to reveal the glory of Christ, not the glory of his gifts. Are you tracking with me? All right, I got to make sure you guys are still awake. So this brings us to our anchor verse for the evening. John 6... Twenty-seven. So we know that they came to him, they say, Rabbi, when did you come here? And his response is, truly, truly, I say to you, you did not come after me because you saw signs, but because you ate and your bellies were filled. And then he says this, do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life. Which the son of man will give to you, for on him God the father has set his So this brings us to our two questions, and I'm going to answer them in reverse, in which the passage describes it. So he first says, do not labor, do not work for the food that perishes, but, contrast in conjunction, meaning he's going to use the verb that preceded this moment, and he says, but labor for the food that endures to eternal life. What does he mean By this, and the natural response of us is to ask, What do you mean by this? What does it mean to labor for the food that endures to eternal life? Okay, tell us, give us the equation. Let us know how to do it. What do I need? How many verses do I need to memorize? How many, how many prayer meetings do I need to start? How many services a year do I need to hop into? What does it mean to do the work of God that will endure to eternal life? And in fact, we are not the only people asking this question. The crowd immediately responds with this question in verse 28. It says, And they said to him, What must we do to be doing the works of God? And if you have a Bible, you should be locked in on this moment. Your your face should be just senses, tuned into what Jesus is about to say. What must we do? They are, they are approaching this question with Jewish tradition. They're saying, okay, we know that God gave the law to Moses. And we're not supposed to have tattoos. And we're not supposed to eat bacon. And we're supposed to rest on the seventh day. And we're supposed to do this and this and this. What must we do to achieve the works of God? Let us know. And Jesus' response takes all of what we know as humanity and puts it on its head. Puts it on its head. Verse 29. And Jesus answered them. This, underline that word 17 times, this, this is the work of God, that you believe in him who he sent. That you believe in him who he sent. If you were here last week, I talked about this word believe. And how John uses it interchangeably with one other word in this gospel. If you can't remember that, I'm going to take you real quick to John 1. You don't need to turn there. But if to give you context, John 1 verse 11, Jesus has just come to his hometown. And if you've read this book before, you know what happens. He's rejected by his own people. Starting in verse 11, and it says this. And he came to his own, and his own people did not receive... Him, But to all who did receive him, comma, who believed in his name, comma, he gave the right to become children of God. So whoever received him, comma, who believed in his name, comma, these commas give us the apposition that believe and uh, receive work in consultation with one another. That in order to see Christ as bread, you have to... Receive him. Receive him. And what I love about this scripture, scripture is it says, and receive him. And it doesn't go, and then he will give you the ability to earn the right to become children of God. It says, to as many as received him, who believed in his name, he gave as a gift the right to become children. So what is the work that endures to eternal life? What is this work that we need to accomplish, that we need to achieve, that we need to pursue? Brothers and sisters, look at me. The answer is nothing. Believe. Believe. The question is not how do we work for him? Are you tracking with me? That is the wrong question to ask. The question is not how do we work for him. The question is do we eat of him? Do we receive him? Do we believe him? Do we see him as bread? Look at me, do you see him as bread, as the ultimate thing that's going to satisfy your soul better than your social media account, better than your relationships, better than your family, better than your reputation, better than your popularity, better than anything that you could accumulate in this life. Do you see Jesus, not his gifts, Jesus as the gift, as the bread that's going to satisfy your soul. This is what Jesus is going after. He's going, look, if you want to do the work of God, if you want to eat of what is going to take you and endure to eternal life, you have to receive me. You don't have to accomplish a a list or a set of goals in your lifetime. You do not have to necessarily memorize this Bible. You do not have to do a whole bunch of religious things. You simply have to receive. Jesus as the bread, as the thing that you see more valuable, more valuable than anything else. Before I answer the second question, I want to get real for a second. Because there is day after day after day, I as a son do not see Jesus like this. I wake up in the morning. And that alarm is a noise from hell. Come on. Super duper honesty time, right? That alarm goes off, and you say, The devil is a lie. Doesn't matter if you're waking up to spend time with the word or you're just waking up to get to school, the devil is a lie. Right, and so that alarm goes off in the morning and you grudge your way out of bed and if you're somebody who takes some time in the word in the morning, you come and you come to that moment and we have this so many times because we're human, where we're, we wake up and we're not feeling it, right, am I alone here, where you wake up and you're like Jesus, I'm not getting this jive that I was getting at, at, at service last night, at Despo conferences, I'm not feeling that job. I'm not seeing you as bread right now. Sleep feels like bread right now. Chit delay feels like bread right now, right? And we have these moments where it's like, Jesus, I'm gonna be honest, you don't look as good as I know the scriptures say you are. And brothers and sisters, hear me. We make this so complicated. You know what we're to do in those moments? get on your knees and ask the holy spirit to help you see him as bread you know what i love about that prayer is god loves to answer it all the time knees, and when you know nothing is feeling right, things are going horrible at home, things are going horrible at school, you're wrestling with sexual addiction, you're doing all these sorts of things, you get on your knees and you pray and you plead with the King of kings and the Lord of lords to help you see Him as bread, help you see Him as the thing that's going to satisfy your soul, ask Him to help you embrace Him as your treasure. Are you tracking with me? And He loves to answer it. He loves to answer it. And I talk to people day after day after day And what I get to do with my life as a pastor. And I sit and talk with them and they say, I don't feel his presence. Or, or I just don't desire to get into his word. Or I just, I just don't feel inclined to hop into these scriptures. Then I say, then ask him to help. Say, Lord, help me see you as treasure. Help me to see you as more precious than sleep, more precious than food, more precious than water, more precious than relationships, more precious than reputation, than popularity. Help me see you as more precious than life. This is what we get as the people of God. And we make it so complicated. What is the work? What do we have to do To enter into this eternal life. And his response is simply, believe. Believe in me. Receive me. See me, Jesus, as Lord. It's that simple. We overcomplicate this book. Believe. Believe. Now, the second question. What does it mean that we should not? should not labor for food that perishes. Well, a couple things that it doesn't mean right out the gate. What Jesus is not saying here is that you shouldn't work. Don't go home tonight and tell your parents, the pastor told me that Jesus said don't work. (laughs) I'll slap you like a fool. (laughs) That's not what I'm saying. That's not what I'm saying. What Jesus is not saying is here, okay, well, you shouldn't work. No. We could spend all night long biblically going through the basis of why working is a good thing. It's an incredible thing. It's a gift from God. But this is not what Jesus is referring to right here. And I think in order for us to answer this question, we have to reshape the question. And I think we change it and reshape it to this. What does it mean, or what changes for the person who does eat the bread of life? What changes? Okay, Pastor, I hear you. I hear you. Believe in Jesus. What changes for me? What shifts in my heart? What changes about my reality when I taste and I partake? And this man named Jesus, the bread of life. And my answer for you is, everything changes. Can I get the band to come back up? Everything changes. Can you close your eyes for me for just a second? Humor me. For those of you who are saved in this room, and what I mean by saved is you have tasted and seen. That Jesus is the bread of life. You see him as all that you need. We, we minimize that reality far too much. Keep your eyes closed. When a person is saved. And this is what I mean by saved. What happens when their eyes are opened. By the power of the Spirit. And you see Christ for who he truly is. And you partake. And when all of a sudden he becomes your portion. Everything changes. Everything. To the insignificant. He quenches thirst better than water. That He satisfies hunger better than bread. That He satisfies your body better than sexual addiction. That He satisfies your soul better than your relationships with anyone in your life. When you taste and when you see that He's better, everything changes. The way you take the soccer field changes way you walk into the classroom changes the way you engage with your family changes the way that you wrestle with sin changes everything changes changes why because you see him as the thing that satisfies and nothing else everything else is revealed as a lie and as a counterfeit to what he is in your life the difference between bread that perishes and bread as the eternal life is bread that perishes makes much of you bread that endures to eternal life makes much of God and that's the gospel that's the gospel that is why you exist I'm sorry if that hurts to hear right now but it is a liberating truth that you do not exist for yourself You exist to reveal the glory of God, of Christ, the bread of life. It's a privilege. I heard a pastor say one time that this is what the church gets to be. We get to be a telescope to the world. together or not jesus is enough that despite whether you experience the healing that you are crying out for jesus is enough that despite whether you attain the popularity or the reputation at your school jesus is enough that whether your family is doing well financially or not jesus is enough this is why we have the hope of glory because despite what happens in our life we get jesus Bread of life, what satisfies, and this is the gospel. We get too caught up in these gifts, and what will God give me? How is He gonna order my life? How is He gonna structure things? And I'm I'm sitting here telling you, brothers and sisters, we've missed it, and that's the point. What Jesus is going after is He's going, Look, do not go after the product of the miracle, get after the performer of the miracle. Go after the one who multiplied the bread. Let him fill you. Let him satisfy you. Whatever that bread is. Don't get get satisfied with meaningless, worthless food that's going to perish. No, Jesus. Jesus. Let him be sweeter than honey. Let him be more refreshing than water. Let him be more restful than sleep. Let him be more satisfying than good relationships. They don't earn. Jesus for 15, 16, 17 years since you were in diapers, and yet, you are wrestling with understanding that He is my bread. He's your bread. He's what's going to satisfy you. He's what's going to fill you. He's what's going to make you overflow. Nothing else. No amount of money. No amount of addiction. No amount of relationships. No amount of status. Jesus, and you don't know Jesus and you're like who is this man let me tell you a story about a God who so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life let me tell you about a man who came to restore what was broken let me tell you about a man who saw you before the foundation of the world and in your frailty and in your sin said I'm going to pursue you anyway Going to close the gap anyway. Let me tell you about a man who made things right for you and God. His name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. So I don't care what you do in this moment. You can get on your knees, you can stand up, you can scatter about this room. But I want to encourage you, brothers and sisters. If you're wrestling tonight with seeing Jesus as bread, whether you are His child tonight, that you are saved or you are not, I encourage you to be bold and say, Jesus, help me see you as my treasure. Help me eat and partake of what will always and forever satisfy me. Help me, help me, and let Him breathe life into your soul tonight. Let him strengthen the weakness in your bones tonight. So let's hop in and let's worship. Heavenly Father, we love you. Holy Spirit, come. We are absolutely nothing apart from you nothing no amount of success no amount of this tactile materialistic fading food is going to give us anything we declare and we speak the truth that we need you tonight we are nothing unless you come you renew you restore you make whole lord i ask that you would awaken taste buds tonight, to taste and see that the Lord is good. Lord, I pray that you would perform a miracle tonight, and you would allow ears to hear your voice. I pray that you would perform a miracle tonight, and you would open eyes to see your face. I pray that you perform a miracle tonight, Lord, and you would allow hearts to believe you as Lord. Holy Spirit, come. Let's worship PSM.